Dad, what's wrong with you? Your father got some very upsetting news last night. He does have cancer? No, he doesn't have cancer. He found out something about his father that he never knew before. Your grandfather died of AIDS. How did he get AIDS? Apparently, Paula, he was having sex with other men. Who was? Your dad's dad. Why? Everybody, welcome to Generation Lost, a show about movies with Bryn and Jeremy. That's right. But kind of not today. Yes, it is. (laughs) (laughs) Don't you dare. Yes, that's right. We have a premise of this show. We set it up the day we started. That's right. It's all movies. Everything that's a moving image is a movie. If it's not a moving image, then it's a stilly. That's a stilly. We know this. (laughs) If you've listened to the show before, you know this. Don't you dare undermine the concept of this show (laughs) two years in. Well, I won't. It's also not the first time we've done that. We've never, we've we've done, we've, ne- we've done this before with extras, and don't hug me, I'm scared. And we should do it more often. We should do it more often. It's fun, especially in this situation. Yeah. Um. This is a perfect. This is like an ideal thing to do it with. Absolutely. There's gotta uh, be other shit like this. Oh, of course. But the problem is that like the like this this was particular. I mean, wh- whatever. We're doing the White Lotus. We already, you read it in the thing. You, you see it, it on the fucking um, title. It's not a surprise. <laughs> but like the White like White Lotus is particularly good just because it's 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 like a dense piece that like has a lot to take away from like a lot of the times like extras doesn't have like extras is just like an entertaining thing that I wanted to show you. Yeah. This I feel like there's a lot of like discussion to be had around it. Um, yeah, and it was sort of a cultural. I mean, not that much. It feels like in in another era, it would have been more of a cultural. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I, I was kind of thinking about this. It's like the idea of like a water cooler show mm-hmm. is just like gone now. Sure, yeah. like things will have like a day on Twitter where you'll talk about it or whatever. But it's yeah. like, and what's weird is this came out as a weekly. This was like a regular, you know, show schedule. Yeah. Um, but I only heard about it. When end. it was done, yeah, yeah, everybody was like, "Whoa, good movie, good movie." <laughs> um, but I, I feel I like the last water cooler show was Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones, yeah, and that was how many years ago now? A Far? lot. I was working. I was working at the fucking ADL when that was when that was on. And in the last two seasons, like the last two years, were just like it was sort of on the decline. Yeah, I remember in like 2013 when I was like working at MTV, it was just like. People were calling, like, assigning everybody in the office, like, a character, and, like, everyone No, that's that's what I remember is, like... Which house are you in and shit? Like, the reason I was thinking of it was, like, of the ADL is because I remember, like, going into work one time and hearing, like, the security guard who'd sit at the front, like, talking to another security guard about, like, the the theory around, like, Jon Snow's parentage and whatever, (laughs) and, like, they're just, like, these two, like, working-class, like, Dominican guys who were just, like, yo, but, like, the thing is, it's, like, you gotta read the books because, like, there's this whole thing with, like, the... they really skip over the direwolves, though? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> just having this really frank discussion about like deep lore of this series <laughs> and i'm like god damn this really has reached like every type of person yeah. like to like a like a, that degree like everybody watched that show but i was surprised by how many people like dove deep into the lore of it as well right people wanted a world to build on yeah um, um, which I would love for it to happen again if it was good, but yeah. um, who knows when that'll happen? Who knows when that'll happen? Who knows when we're all gonna have fucking water coolers again? You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Speaking of um, yeah, what, did, what did, world building? What did you watch this week? And television shows. I watched the first. Well, as many episodes are out of Why the Last Man. Oh. Um. Why the last? W- yeah. Why? What? Yeah. Why did you watch? Why it? did I watch it? <laughs> 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 interesting question not <laughs> how was it but why would you watch why would you that? watch that yeah it looks like garbage that's right um <laughs> it looks like absolute dog shit so i hadn't watched any trailers uh-huh i had not for any reason but i am it's a, a comic right i'm a big fan of the comic mm-hmm. um, is the premise of the comic the same as the premise of the show yes okay the premise of the comic is something happens and every man on earth dies except for one guy yeah and a monkey who's also a boy. Mm-hmm. Everyone with a Y chromosome dies. Um, okay. So first, so, first question. So, well, it's interesting. First question. <laughs> How do they deal with that? There's trans guys in the show. Okay. Um, which is interesting. Um, Big swing. <laughs> Who makes this show? Who makes it? Yeah, who's like the writer? Who's the creator? Oh, I don't know. I gotta know. Um, well, so the the comic book here. I'm gonna start with the comic. Okay, book. start with the comic. The book. comic book has the comic book is about what if all of the men on Earth died, mm-hmm. and then tries to take the logical conclusions of that sort of seriously, but not that seriously. Mm-hmm. The thing about why the last man the comic book is that the sort of grief and political intrigue that happen is sort of in the background actually really in the background like you kind of hear like in conversations like well the 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 chain of command is such that the only woman who was to be president was the department of education secretary. Mm. Um, so now that's the president and like the main character's mother was in the Senate. And so now she's like really high up in government, but communication has broken down and there's no phones Mm -hmm. because it's the early two thousands. And so Nobody can get a hold of each other because, like, lots of infrastructure has fallen apart. And so, the premise of Why the Last Man, the f- comic book, is that this guy is going to find, he's traveling from New York City to DC to f- get his family. Yeah. Like, he's trying to find his sister and he's trying to go see his mom in DC, who's a senator and now, like, high up in the government. Okay. So, him and the monkey are just like, exploring this now like sort of post-apocalyptic america and the arcs are like well what do women do without men Uh and how is that how does that work Uh (laughs) and the thing is is that it's sort of fun you know it Mm -hmm. has this very fun sort of like there's a a weird like secret agent who like figures out that he exists and there's like all this espionage around like him trying to keep uh undercover and like later on into the 
into the series, it like kind of deals with like what happened to trans people. Yeah. And it's like feels really cutting edge at the time. You know, this was 2000, like three. Right. <laughs> and people were like, oh, he's like, it's like, yeah, trans people are really mean to the trans men who survived and like don't call them, you know, and like it's very lightly dealt with and everything is sort of like lightly dealt with. And it's more about like exposing and sort of elaborating on the ways American society like is uh, like systemically misogynist. And that's sort of the point of it. It's written by a guy. And Mm -hmm. and, um, well, you can tell because the main character is the only guy left. That's right. And he's an (laughs) idiot and like basically learning about misogyny through the book or whatever. And it's not the most um, heart wrenching or like reaching for the sky, like artistic piece. It's a fun comic road trip. Right. Comic, you know yeah. um so i was like well let's see what they do with it and brian k vaughn the author went oh, on it's to, brian k vaughn it's brian k vaughn interesting who went was so, it before or after uh saga after or before excuse okay me, much before because he did it he did why the last man and then he did ex machina which is a very political book mm-hmm. um about a superhero in like the 1930s and then um, saga is just like all style as far as i remember I mean, I, I didn't keep up with it very long. Yeah. So Saga it might get like more political or whatever. But my, my memory really. of it is that it's just like mostly just stylish nonsense and like horny business. That's right. It's a fun <laughs> fantasy. Yeah. Uh, and there's world building and there's a lot of, you know, fun. There's some political intrigue. There's like a, a civil, not a civil war, but like a race war going yeah, on. Yeah. Between like the, t- the wings TV and head the, people. and Oh, the, yeah. The TV head people. And there's the wing people and the horn people yeah um and that's the whole thing is they're a couple and they have a a, a, a mixed baby a, a mixed baby um and it's really more about being a parent right uh, you know like brian k vaughn said that f- being a parent was like this weird adventure and he wanted to tell an adventure story about being a parent and that's really what it's about and yeah. it's good um but and they're forever like about to make a movie out of that right or show or, whatever. or show or whatever um, and they never will right what's interesting is that why the last man this is the exact wrong time to make why the last man yes because why the last man was one of those things that was like this was a real fun story this had a lot of interesting things socially to say about misogyny and like patriarchy especially just how early on it was before everyone sort of became an armchair like sociologist and right. social justice warrior um like it was really way before that so it was like it was something a lot of people said like this would make a great movie this would make a great show or whatever once prestige came this is nearly 20 years later (laughs) and it's like let's tell a story about the last guy on earth after every man dies um doesn't really have the poignancy it has now especially considering that there's like covid references Mm. but it doesn't seem like covid is happening at it's like in the future right it's like no longer a problem um and it's, but I think the biggest problem with the the show so far, three episodes in, is that it takes itself insanely seriously. Okay. Um, which is like it seems like it's not even really about Yorick, the main character of the comic, who's the ma- f- main guy. Like he's sort of a side character. Like it it becomes like this weird like Homeland show where it's like the interworkings of of American politics and like how do we keep an an apocalypse how do we keep america going in an apocalypse right but like the writers of the show 
are fucking idiots <laughs> and have no clue what like politics are. Like there's a character that is functionally Megan McCain. And in the universe of the show, John McCain was president. He was like an American, you know, kind of chauvinist, a Republican, right? specifically Republican that they say that in the show. And uh, Megan McCain, and now the Democrat, who's functionally Hillary Clinton, is president. Okay. Um, this is Yorick's de- mom. Um, and uh, she's the president now. And Megan McCain is like, I should be president. And like, there's a power struggle because a power vacuum has formed because every guy is dead. All the joint chiefs of staff are dead. Like, mm-hmm. you know, most of the military is dead. Yeah. Um, but I mean, in- half of the world is dead. Yeah. Instead of, is it like a disease? What is it that does it? So is it like a leftovers thing where they all just like blink out of existence? No, like their eyes bleed and they all die like horribly. Oh, great. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, why does the one guy live in the comic book? It is not explained. Okay. Um, in the comic book, there are a couple theories, and it gets pretty close to giving you the, an answer. Mm-hmm. But like, it, it it kind of shies away from telling you concretely. It was probably an uh, it it was probably a experimental bioweapon. Okay. Um, maybe but it also could be something else and it's never really clarified which one it is okay um so i don't know in the show in the fiction of the show no one knows and everyone's scared that it was like some country and in this in the show everyone's scared that every country is lying that it didn't happen in their country because now there's like of course because you you have to add covid to it Yes. And that's the thing. It's like, it feels like it's like influenced by COVID. And now it's like all of this political commentary, but they're morons. Yeah. And it's like, there's like these protests outside of the White House of like people. That's basically Q of like, they planned this or whatever. But it's like a thousand women. Because like everyone's in tent cities anyway. And it's just like, all they think is that they lied. And it's like, no one has authority anymore and then inside the white house there's like this power struggle but it's like we're gonna take this to the supreme court it's like what the fuck are you talking about that's not how politics or power works right um so it just feels like this really out of touch liberal version of like an apocalypse where it's like somehow everything stays the same except (laughs) everything bad happens so how do how does the show contend with trans people like do, does they're the just sh- there there's the, it's trans men though yeah okay like it's not like because that's what i was thinking is like the real like the really interesting move on their part would be like like it's cis and trans women are who's left right and i think the the, the, the that would be a much more interesting like that would be an interesting like if they didn't do like it's a disease right off the bat it's just magic it's because, magic and what's so it's, it's frustrating, a mysterious thing that happened and it's just women who are left what's so period. frustrating about this this mo- show is that i think the decision to include trans men in the book which they're bare it's barely touched on there's like mm-hmm. one or two characters or like one right in the beginning one right at the end where it's like man this sucks yeah <laughs> like and they're like sad that they have to live in this world now and they're like so obviously you know and it deals with it caringly with 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 empathy i think but like the point of it is not to say let's let's have you know 
because I think back then it was like, what would happen with everyone with a Y chromosome died, meaning all men. Right. And, oh, well, I guess I should be woke and like say what, you know, they believe. But it's like in the 20 years that has passed, the whole point was just to say, what if all the men were gone? Right. So why don't you just say all, all the men are gone and include trans women? Because it's magic. Well, the, and it's the, like that's a much more interesting conundrum because yes. the whole point of in in the in the in the comic is like some women go like real feminist and are like we don't need the men, and right. some are like we miss our friends and our and our families and our, our sons and husbands and whatever and fathers, and like there's all of these like cultural arguments and you know some go off and be amazons and like live in the woods and like are like we're fending for ourselves and we become cults and we become uh militias and like people are still people and it's really interesting and this just feels like well you can still do that and like not have to be like biological about it right and it's like there's no point of doing that and i feel like brian k vaughn wouldn't have done that (laughs) if he was like doing it now yeah, exactly. I feel like he's like extra woke dude. So it's weird that he signed off on that because he's yeah. not writing it and he doesn't create it. I kind of feel like the interesting angle for a show like this would be to make it that it's it's cis women and trans women are who's left, you know, cis and trans men are gone. Uh, you know, everyone outside of the, the binary and whatever is gone, gender queer, you know, gender neutral, whatever. Everybody sure. is, everyone else is gone. It's just trans women and cis women and then the show is about like how far how how far does intersectional feminism go in the apocalypse like how far is it yes exactly how, how far is... in do we go until <laughs> the cis women are like actually let yeah. me tell you a little something about how we're gonna make the species go <laughs> we need a final solution yeah uh, or 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 we're gonna stop like like our th- this veneer that we've put on of of you know uh, of of what our feminism is is actually now no longer here and we are right, no longer treating you as women feminism and, doesn't work it doesn't exist in a world yeah. where men don't exist um yeah someone becomes a scapegoat and but also it's just like it has no interest in really dealing with like what a power vacuum actually looks like and what happens when um, like authority goes away where it's Mm -hmm. like, well, there is no one in charge. You don't just get to be like, well, America still exists and all of our systems still exist. Also three episodes in, there's no discussion of like what happened to Amazon? Like who has that money? What happened to Tesla? Or does money exist anymore? Right. Like Like, where are all the bankers or what is going on? It's like, it it it's what's annoying is is that why the last man is a fun show because it that's all the periphery where it's like you hear in conversation of like oh did you hear that like microsoft is falling apart or whatever like do you hear about these billionaires like people are taking their money or whatever right. you see these things like on the periphery and it's like thought thought uh experiments that just are around a fun road trip plot um but this show makes the mistake of being like, well, let's really explore all of those questions of what would happen if this really happened. Uh, but we also have no concept of like how the world works, except for like reading liberal Twitter. Right. <laughs> and it's just so embarrassing, honestly. Um, so I don't know. It could get better, but so far it's a huge whiff. Uh-huh. Um, just a kind of embarrassing 
uh, there's a couple like the acting is pretty good the age the 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 woman who plays uh, agent 355 if you read the comic um is great um it's also funny because they're just like racism probably doesn't exist now. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> Hell it's yes. only the men, right? Who of are racist. Yes. But it's also like Megan McCain is like a reactionary character right. and it's like what is really the what is really the struggle here? Uh, yeah. I well, it's the same thing with like The Handmaid's Tale where it's like this feminist work th- that that like is like, well, it you know, this is a women's story. Yeah. It's about women. Yeah, not not white women. <laughs> not white women. Wait, not black women. It just women. so happens not Mexican. that every character is white. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's just a coincidence. Yeah, they're it was not the race- best actors that were available. Yeah, at the time. these fascists who are like insanely reactionary and like using women. Colorblind. Don't care. Completely colorblind, yeah. in fact. <laughs> they are they care about diversity of their children. <laughs> they don't care about securing a future for their white children. Yeah, absolutely. These these reactionary Christians, <laughs> uh, they actually love having mixed race babies yeah. <laughs> they think it's good and normal absolutely <laughs> um, believable believable movie yeah <laughs> um yeah so i mean i like handmaid's tale um even though i think it has oh sure i mean i watch it <laughs> i mean i haven't watched it since season one but what i watched of it was really well done mm-hmm. and this so far is not yeah um even though there's some good acting um it just feels really aimless right now um, yeah and it's pretty disappointing considering it's such a fun comic um anyway so you didn't watch anything i did not watch anything this week you got nothing okay i got nothing i got nothing i got um well i wanted to talk to you because this week um norm mcdonald died so yes right before uh we started i knew i wasn't gonna finish it but i threw on dirty work for probably the 10th time i've seen it now mm-hmm. um Dirty Work is a movie um, featuring Norm Macdonald, written by Norm Macdonald, the very first starring role and maybe only starring role. I think role, it's the only one, yeah. Except for Screwed, which uh, no one has seen right. and isn't good. <laughs> uh, even though it has Dave Chappelle and Norm Macdonald in it, it's pretty bad. Um, but it's also, um, it's it's written by him. It's very much a a show that was like, let's, let's make him... Um, a movie guy. Um, unfortunately, it didn't really work. Um, what's interesting, though, is that it's very funny. <laughs> and mm-hmm. you've never seen it, right? No, I don't think so. I mean, I'm sure that I have because you were saying it's it was a movie that was like that was on Comedy Central all the time. Yeah. Which leads me to believe I must have seen you it. Must but have it's seen just it. like but it I is, can't really find it in my brain. So it's directed by Bob Saget. Really? And, <laughs> yep. It came out in 1998. And um, the premise of the film is that Norm and Artie Lang um, are childhood friends and they grew up together. And uh, they <laughs> they have this strange sense of justice. And so what they do is like as like the opening montage of them as kids is like just getting back at their bullies because like one of them is fat and one of them is a nerd. And like mm-hmm. they just like are really good at f- like revenge. Like, yes. Like uh, there's a there's like a pedophile crossing guard. And so <laughs> they put super glue on their pants and they're like, hey, pedophile crossing guards. <laughs> this is like <laughs> hand is on their ass. <laughs> um, there is uh, they get a kid. They 
they steal their dad's guns and uh, put them in their bully's desk so that the kid gets arrested. <laughs> uh, okay. They just like ruin people's lives in vengeance to people who wrong them. So then they grow up and they're both losers and they have nothing going for them. They can't get women. They suck. They have no jobs. Um, and so they basically stumble upon this idea that, oh, they're, uh, Artie's dad dies. Uh, or not dies has a heart attack mm. and it needs needs like a new heart and like um chevy chase is the hilarious like gambling uh doctor who has like he's like i can't he's he's way down on the list but if you give me fifty thousand dollars to pay off my gambling debts i'll bump him to the top of the list okay and i'll give him a new heart and uh and they're like okay fine so they figure they're like we have to find a way to make money really quick so they do a couple schemes they try to get a regular job but they find out that what they're best at is vengeance and so they start a company called dirty work Mm -hmm. where they just like get vengeance on people who suck um and that's the premise of the movie (laughs) just them basically doing very vicious pranks on people uh and trying to win the heart of this girl that norm likes yeah um that's all it is but that's like a b plot yeah, yeah, like the best comedy movies, the plot does not matter. Right, of it course. is all an excuse for very funny scenes and very funny jokes. Um, one of my favorite. Be- Let me give you an example uh, of the kind of joke that's in this movie. They get beat up by a group of frat guys for really no reason, just because like Artie was hitting on a girl that he was also hitting on, and then they get in a bar fight and they get their asses kicked. Mm-hmm. And so like, man, we should get back at them. This is before they start the party. They're like, <laughs> they rent, they rent cop uniforms and, and, and Norm is like, all right. And Artie's like, let's go in and beat their ass and pretend we're cops. And he's like, no, 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 let me do it my way. So he calls the frat house and he's like, Hey, uh, I've got, I wanted to warn you, man. Like there's guys going around pretending to be fake cops. They just stole from another fraternity house. And they're like, thanks man. And he's like, yeah, just don't be tricked when the cops show up. <laughs> And then Norm hangs up the phone and then picks it up and he says, hello, real cops. (laughs) (laughs) I want to file a complaint. And then the cops come and then they they get arrested because they punched the real cops. Um, But there's no like there's no reason for them to have rented the the copy. They they basically like the the real cops go to the fraternity (laughs) uh, and then they like are like, oh, yeah, sure. You're cops. And they try to beat them up, but then they get arrested. Mm -hmm. And then as there's like a a huge like fist fight of cops and frat kids on the lawn, they come up with like, we'll take them, officer. And then they beat their ass. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, It's just like really funny norm style jokes but live action. Yeah. What's really great is that Norm is not trying to act. Mm-hmm. Like he's, it's just him being oh, he Norm. he can't. I mean, he can't do anything but Norm MacDonald. Right. That's the only thing he's capable and, of. And uh, it's, it's just every scene makes me fucking cackle laughing. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like, I want there to be, I was saying on the bonus that I want there to be a renaissance of dirty work the way there has been a renaissance of Freddie got fingered. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think this movie is even funnier than that. Um, just cause it's way smarter. Yeah. Um, I mean, Freddie got fingered is, is its intention is to be insane and make you laugh and it functions that way. But like, I think this is like more snappy and tight. Yeah. Um, which the makes biggest, sense because he's a comedian and he's a great com- comedy writer. Yeah. I think the real problem with it is, um, uh, according to Norm, they were like, write as an R-rated comedy. 
mm-hmm. and then it when they cut it they were like no it has to be pg-13 and so there's a lot of it feels weird because <laughs> there's yeah, like yeah, yeah. some really dirty jokes some really intense like there's a I, also i guess if you're listening to this there are a couple like pretty non-aged whale jokes in it about like prison rape and stuff oh, like sure, this yeah um 90s jokes um nothing too too offensive that i can think of nothing like I no slurs, nothing like that. Uh, not that I can remember. Definitely not in the first hour that I watched. <laughs> uh, so nothing too too bad. There's a lot of talk about whores. Mm. <laughs> they're always talking about how prostitutes, they're just like around and like mm-hmm. they think everybody's a whore. So if that like bothers you, you know, it's a, it's a 90s comedy. So, you mm-hmm. know, you should know what you're getting into. It's only PG-13, but if there's some jokes that are like, oh, it's going there, and then it, like, doesn't. So it feels a little strange, but um, mostly pretty funny. Um, Anyway, I recommend that movie if you want a really funny, any Miss Norm, um, and you haven't seen it. And a lot of people haven't seen it. So I thought it was pretty good. I don't think I've seen it. It's pretty funny. Like, describing (laughs) the premise to me, nothing rang a bell. It's got the guy from Shooter McGavin from, Mm -hmm. um, he's, like, the bad guy. He's, like, a real estate developer. And then they just, like, take him down. He gets, they get tricked by him, and then, they trick him there's back. like one big like boss yeah kind of i mean like there's a couple big there's a couple bosses and then it ends up being like him is like the word yeah. he he they think they're like well he's gonna give us fifty thousand dollars for um like making all getting all these people evicted from his his property so he can build a nicer one right um and then he like fucks them over and he didn't actually even own that property and then doesn't give him the fifty thousand dollars it turned out to be the grandma of the girl he likes his house and so it just like ruins his life it's like we're gonna get back at him and so then they they fix it yeah by ruining his life <laughs> um <laughs> you know it has no perspective it has no <laughs> it, it it is not trying to say anything it's just a funny norm mcdonald vehicle right um, i don't really know why it didn't do very well um I think it was just one of those things that like it was too much of a straight comedy. And, what like, year did it come out? Nineteen ninety four, I think. Uh, let me. I wonder what sure it was that. up against. No, sorry, ninety eight. Ninety eight. It's the last Chris Farley movie. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, Chris Farley has, is the guy with his nose cut off. It cost thirteen million, and it made ten. Damn. Just got. It must have been up against some stuff, and uh, it. <laughs> it has a 17% critic rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Woof. Uh, people really didn't like it. Um, and and uh, I don't know. It's it's a movie. It's one of those things where it's like, I feel like there's no accounting for taste when it comes to comedy. And it's yeah. like, if you just didn't think that movie was funny or you don't like Norm Macdonald's comedy, you are not going to like this movie. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's all that and literally nothing else. Um, but I, I highly recommend it. I would I would say anybody should watch it. Anyway, that's what I watched and nothing that Jeremy watched. That's right. Because what we are watching this week is The White Lotus. Yes. Uh, of television show created by, what is his name? Mike, Mike White. Mike White. Now, we talked about this show a little bit uh, on a different episode. I think it was the Rent episode. I don't remember. Yeah, it was a couple of weeks ago, whatever it was. Um yeah, so so Mike White is a uh, he he he's like a he's a like a Hollywood lifer. It seems like he's he's done a lot of stuff over the years. But the thing that you'd probably most know him for is Orange County. Orange County, of <laughs> no course. Kidding. 
Uh, no, uh, School of Rock would probably be yeah. the main thing you'd know him from. It's funny. I feel like people have. Uh, I didn't. I didn't know that when yeah. I when I looked at his face, I was like, "Oh, I know that guy. He's from something. He, he's the he's the dorky roommate in School of Rock, but he's also the writer of School of Rock. Yes, School of Rock. By the way, like what a weird like shell game that is, right? Because it's like it's like him as the writer. Uh, Michelle Gondry is the director, right? No. Who's the director? School of Rock? Uh, Richard Linklater. Richard Linklater. Oh, it is a weird guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, And it's like Richard Linklater is the director, and then... um, Are you sure it's Richard Linklater? Yep. Um, I just looked it up. Okay. Uh, And then uh, Jack Black is the star, and it it, it feels like it's a Jack Black... Like, it feels like Jack Black made it. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. from the way that it feels as a movie you're like this is jack black's project and they were like oh no they just like made it for him basically yeah. and then you're like well link made it but link writes his stuff and then it's like right especially at the time like link had done like nothing but weird indie stuff i yeah, feel yeah, like yeah. this was one of his first yeah god i mean if you look at his if you look at his uh his filmography was Slacker, Days and Confused, Before Sunrise, Suburbia. I guess the Newton Boys was like maybe a toe in like mainstream, but then Waking Life and yeah. then Tape and then School of Rock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's like what? <laughs> That's like such a like right on down the line like nice family comedy. Yeah. from Linklater. It felt and it's a great movie too. It's a really I must cute say. movie. It's a good good ass movie. Um, also, the reason why I was thinking of Michelle Gondry is uh, "Be Kind Rewind," ah, uh, yeah, which is yeah. the other Jack Black movie. <laughs> oh yeah, he, and most deaf or Yasin Bay, Yasin Bay, Yasin Bay. Uh, but he also wrote "Dead Man on Campus." He wrote "Chuck and Buck," which is a movie that I remember people liking. Um, but what I know him from is every movie that uh, the napoleon dynamite guy directed after napoleon dynamite right he did nacho libre he wrote gentleman broncos mm-hmm. um and i guess that was it <laughs> um and the emoji movie and the emoji movie of and course how movie. could we forget <laughs> so this is a television series that's been on hbo this past season uh it's six episodes mm-hmm. uh roughly an hour each and um, it's very much like a COVID production because right. it's all in a single location. Nobody ever goes anywhere else. Nothing happens outside of the single location except for the airport is the only other location that they go to. Otherwise, it's all in the hotel. Yes. Um, it's a very small cast. Mm-hmm. And then I think that they, I mean, so I think that they, they work with that really well, but let's like, well, Mike White talked about it in an interview where mm-hmm. he said that we had plans to shoot other things about like the people, the, the workers lives like outside of the hotel sometimes. Right. And he was like, it actually really worked for us to not be able to do that. It kind of thematically helped. And we'll, yeah, we'll yeah, talk yeah. about that. It's like, uh, it's like, I mean, it's like the famous star Wars thing, right? Is that star Wars became so much better because they couldn't shoot all the stuff that they wanted. Like the first star Wars movie <laughs> is so much better because of the fact that they were reined in by all of the like weather problems they were having and, and, and all the different yeah. you know, uh, restrictions they were under. But anyway, so white Lotus is the story of we kind of covered it on the episode that we talked about it, but we'll we'll go over it in a little more detail. Yeah, maybe here. you missed that one. Who knows? It's 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 a couple of interweaving stories that all take place at a like super fancy, like one of the fanciest resorts in Hawaii 
called yes. the White Lotus. And the stories are kind of like chunked off into little groups. And the groups are the workers of the hotel. The uh, Well, I think it's a little misleading to start with the workers because you barely get to really see their stories. Sure. Ex- but as a group, yeah, the workers of the hotel. I'd say that like, but I would say that, that uh, Armand is the main character of the show. I suppose I think we spend the most time with Armand and we learn the most about Armand out of anybody else on the show. I feel like we know the most about Armand by the end of it. All right. I buy that. Um, But so, so the workers of the hotel are kind of one chunk and we get to know them a little bit here and Mm -hmm. there. Uh, One of the groups is uh, you're, you've seen it more recently than I have. So you're going to help me with the names a little bit. Oh, okay. Uh, (laughs) But one group is, is a pair of newlyweds, uh, Yes. One of whom is like a wealthy uh, publishing. Rachel and Sean. Uh, boy, Rachel and Sean. Okay. Or Sean or Shane. I don't remember. Shane. It might be Shane. Yeah. Bryn's going to pull it up. I'll pull it up. <laughs> uh, but so they're, they're a pair of newlyweds. Shane Patton. Shane Patton. He is, so he is heir to a publishing fortune. She is a BuzzFeed clickbait journalist who uh, married Rich. Yeah. She's an, he's a real estate agent. Mm-hmm. Um, but he comes from like money from, huge, from publishing or huge something rich like that. asshole. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, so we've got the newlyweds on their honeymoon suite. Yeah. It's very important cause they are wanting to get the honeymoon suite. Um, and then we've got the Mossbacher family. The Mossbachers. Yeah. And that is the C T or CFO of basically Google. Yeah. She's a woman girl boss, um, who, she has a very stressful and time-consuming job, which she is always doing, even on vacation. And then her sort of, I guess, like trophy husband. And yeah, he seems like he has a job, but like it's not really clear what it is. He gets time <laughs> off. Yeah, um, he's got something. He's going got enough on. like of his own money, quote unquote, that he could like buy the forty thousand dollar bracelet that will come up in the story 75, later. Seventy-five thousand. Seventy-five thousand dollar bracelet. Um, pair of bracelets, I guess it is. Yeah. Um, so he's got some sort of job. And then there are two kids uh, who are, one of them is kind of like a, like a, uh, just like a bitchy girl who goes to college. She is a Red Scare listener <laughs> yeah. who is like not even joking. Like that was like Mike White said, I really? wanted her to be someone who would listen to Red Scare. That rules. The podcast. That fucking rules. <laughs> I did not know that. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny um, and i made her listen to it interesting um, and she was like yeah it's this weird thing where these two ladies were just like bitching about people the whole time <laughs> and so i just like did that and that's why she's reading cat whatever that dumb bitch is uh caligula or whatever yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. um and yeah they re- she's reading nietzsche and and she she says she has a book public uh, like a book designer a book stylist stylist yeah. who's like telling she, her what cool books to be reading right which yeah. is like nietzsche and freud and camille paglia um shit like that um so then there's like an autistic brother mm-hmm. who well, everybody is, is really mean to he's he's just like a kind of shy kid yeah who everyone's really mean to and thinks is like doing nothing but like i don't know it's funny because in the beginning of the show it, you almost think he's going to be like some sort of like reactionary like yeah. online like 
anime Nazi or something. Just the way everyone's treating him. Like they say he's addicted to porn. They say he's like making memes. They, he's constantly on his phone. He's playing video games on his Switch. Um, but no, that's not true. He's just a he's just a shy kid. Yeah, he's just like a terminally plugged in young person. Which is like all young Which people. is like all young people. And he's like addicted to screens in a really major way. And... I mean, I feel like the, the dialogue a few times implies that he's autistic or at least on the spectrum somewhere or another, but well, sure, yeah. whatever. Well, so they, they're on vacation and they've brought the daughter's friend whose name is Paula. Paula. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is a, a, a woman of color who goes to school with the daughter and um, her... Her right. role in this is kind of as like a foil to all of like the whiteness that we see uh, throughout it, but then later on as like a whole different thing. Right. So then our third group is not a group. It's actually just one woman and it's the funniest. <laughs> Tanya. It's, it's Tanya. It's, she's the funniest actress in the world. You know exactly who she is. So Jennifer Coolidge is the um, sort of, I don't know how to describe this aesthetic I, besides Tra- like trashy like white trash lady in um legally blonde yes 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 she's um, the she's the lady in legally blonde she's stifler's mom she's, she's stifler's mom oh yeah she's a bunch of stuff you know her you love her she's, she's in best in show she's so funny she's so funny in absolutely everything that One she of graces the funniest she, she's the funniest actor in the world like she's so <laughs> fucking good and she's great in this she's so fucking funny but so she plays she this really sort of gets like gets a chance to be an actor mm-hmm. and like be funny but really flesh out that character she's been doing for the past you know 20 30 years yes into a real person who has her own trauma and own like problems and issues that aren't just laughable mm-hmm. aren't just like i want a guy you know like right, right, right. Uh, it is that it but is it's, that but, but it's a manifestation of something deeper and darker within her right um and ends up being simultaneously very funny and very sad and very cruel, like capable of like a deep cruelty that she like, yes. doesn't even realize she's necessarily inflicting on people, but doesn't also seem to care. Right. Um, and she is there because she, well, she's like on vacation, but she's also scattering her mom's ashes. Yeah. She, and... her mom apparently loved the ocean. And so she decided to like bring the ashes along and, and, dump him in the ocean yeah eventually um but she's kind of this like rolling wreck character who just is like constantly <laughs> getting like shit face drunk and like crying in front of absolutely everybody just like her emotions are just like like she's like inside out woman who just like yeah, everything yeah. is she's just joy always and there and she, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just that like her emotions are like an ever-present like like film around her <laughs> Which is so funny, and it's like it, you know, it, you know, people like this. You've met, yeah, probably at a service job, you've met people like this. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's great is that, um, what I really liked about her character was that she's very funny, and then at a certain point, there's this sort of like tension, like a caged, like a, like a wild animal, mm-hmm. like the woman the staff person that she interacts with the most, you realize is treating her like a coyote. Mm -hmm. Like at any moment she knows she could turn on her. Yes. And it's like, Oh, she's being real. Like, Oh yeah, it's so fun. Everything's good. Let me pour my heart out to you. Let me like 
uh, you know, I could be sad, I can be happy, but you know underneath there you can be vicious. Yes. And like, you don't know, maybe it's cute to pet the, the cute, huge wolf dog, but you don't know why it might just like cut your hand off yeah. for no reason. So, um, so let's get more into her now since we're, we've, we've gone over her groups and she's kind of like, I feel like she has the simplest story that doesn't yeah. interact with everybody else nearly as much. Sure. Um, so she, her main plot is that she meets this woman who works at the white Lotus, who is the director of the spa, Belinda, who, Belinda, who she has this like really just like transformative experience with where she like gets a massage the first night that she's there. And she's like, Oh my God, you have healing hands. You're so wonderful. Right. Like you're so great. Like you should hang out with me. And she's like, uh, all right, <laughs> I'll hang out with you, whatever. Like, Belinda is is the kind of person who like very clearly puts a hundred and ten percent into her job and like really cares about the people that she works for and under and and to a fault like yeah. she her big like her big story defining thing in this is when she decides to stop doing that for her own health yeah because um, <laughs> it's not well I mean she's. I think Belinda, who is a um, large black woman, mm. I think that's important to it say. It is important, yeah. Um, she is a person who kind of has taken the grind pill. Yes. She like believes that if she puts all her whole self into her job, into wellness, that it will work out for her. And Tanya is sort of the, the dangling carrot there. Where yes dangling this thing in front of her face because tanya early on mentions like you should have your own spa yes and i am, am rich and i'm rich and i can fund such a thing and i would be i she says i would be down to fund something like yeah. that she's like very clearly like there, there's like a a fun thing that she peppers in every so often where she's like very much coding her dialogue towards a woman of color to be like i, yeah. I would be down <laughs> to fund something like that like she's first attracted to the fisherman guy because he says he works for blm yeah, and yeah. she thinks it's black lives matter the amount of like white liberal stuff in this show is is it's over it's, it's so, overwhelming but it's like masterful the way yeah. that it's executed it's, sometimes it is not <laughs> obvious always like yeah it I, I I think that's really important to mention because like lots of shows nowadays are very on the nose about like people are like that. Basically everything since get out has to mention that like white people seem yes. well-meaning uh -huh. even when they're bad or rich or whatever. But this show like makes these people feel very human, mm -hmm. but not empathetic. Yeah. I think that's what's important is that it's like, you may sympathize with them or you may understand where they're coming from. And it's important that they're real human beings that have wants and desires and their own insecurities. And those feel somewhat relatable, but they're not like, it's not trying to be like, you're this person. Yeah. It, you, you recognize that they're kind of alien. Um, but they just they because their brains are broken because they have so much money <laughs> yeah <laughs> um and tanya that's this is a good example of her like she meets this guy and he's like yeah i work with the blm <laughs> and she's like oh he works with black lives matter this <laughs> elderly white man at a rich you know she's yeah just like, he great. must be great he yeah. must be so cool and passionate and important and whatever but but we're <laughs> skipping ahead a little bit because she she 
basically she like twists Belinda's arm into hanging out with it's a hanging out with her and into believing in this idea of having her own wellness center which Belinda, at the beginning of the show does not have this dream this is not something she has ever thought about or wants maybe she's thought about it but she's but never it's, like it's expressly ex- wanted to do it. it's explicitly stated that she says i didn't have this dream before yeah. i met this person but um, her son kind of like talks her into it and is like look like, like you're gonna you fucking die on your feet like <laughs> yeah you need to take this opportunity if this woman can give you some money you need to take this opportunity yes um and so i guess we'll just follow her story to the yeah, end yeah, yeah so basically what happens is they try to meet a couple times or they do meet a couple times they have dinner and the first time belinda just feels awkward and doesn't bring it up they talk about some other shit about tanya's story which is like yeah, she's like sad about her she's mom. She's basically just emotionally dumping on her, which is just like my mom was abusive in these ways and you know, yeah. I'm sad for this. And then the next time they're supposed to have dinner, um she says or Tanya tells her to like have a business plan ready. Um Yeah, and she like makes a really like detailed business plan. She like gets it laminated and yeah, like bound and, like and bound, stuff yeah. and and then uh which I would never not know how yeah. to do and I went to producing school. Uh <laughs> it fucking sucks doing that shit. So uh, yeah, so they're supposed to have dinner again, and then Tanya cancels because she meets this skinny, bald, white guy who works for BLM. Who's, uh, who's Uncle Rico from uh, Napoleon Dynamite. That's right. Um, and Who, who is, I, by the way, the funniest person in the show. A great he's actor. He's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> but he's, he's so realistic. Like, uh-huh. I love him as a guy because he's just like one of those guys who's just like, I work at a fucking... The office job and yeah who am i i'm just like a i'm a middle-aged guy who's like past the point of of having goals or caring or whatever like i don't need anything i hang out with my boys and we 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 try and get that we try to meet those goals you know like why he doesn't have a wife he doesn't have and then he like is divorced from a wife probably like he probably has adult kids who don't need him anymore (laughs) (laughs) he's just like kind of vibing yeah um and he has the the funniest moment of the show for one of the biggest laughs that (laughs) it got out of me was when she like dumps this whole big emotional thing on him she starts freaking out because she likes him and he likes her yeah and they hook up once and she keeps canceling on belinda and then they hook up again and she's like, I have to cut it off because you're just going to start hating me. And, you know, I'm, I'm a mess and I'm a wreck and I have all this trauma and baggage and issues. And she's like straight up just like ugly crying, like yeah. trying to give him the mom's ashes and be like, get them out of here. Get them out of my fucking yeah, I life. Want you to you leave. should throw them out. I don't care what you do with them, whatever. It throws this huge fit. And then his his retort to it is just like, no, I still want to fuck you. <laughs> Which is like, man, what a place to get to in your life. But <laughs> <laughs> it's like, why would I give a shit about any of this? Yeah. I'm on my vacation. And I'm trying to have sex with this big bitch. Yeah. <laughs> and it's so good, Stop too. Stop your because, blubbering and yeah, let's get it on. Let's fuck. <laughs> What's great about it, though, is that, like, it, it's so perfect of a, like, non committal like non-statement to say to her to show just how little of a push it took for her to not care about belinda anymore (laughs) 
right. like that's like that's so not a commitment <laughs> yeah yeah for her to be like i'm gonna move to fucking boulder and uh i'm sorry but i'm actually not gonna do your business anymore i'll see you right. later this and, guy wants to fuck me actually yeah. but, but so at the end um tanya you know breaks the news to belinda she's like look i'm not gonna fucking fund your thing i'm not doing any of this shit but she does she does this extremely common like white liberal thing where she like kind of like masks it in the the epic tale of her own self help where she's like look you know like the thing is that i use my money to control people and like it's a manipulative thing that i do and i need to heal and i need to do better and i need to stop doing that to people and it's shitty that i do that to people (laughs) so i'm just gonna go so i'm sorry but like you know uh, see you later but she leaves her like a big fat envelope of money which has got to be like ten thousand dollars it's got to be like a couple thousand dollars but it's in there not, easily i don't know if that's a funding of business and even if it is money. it's like it's uh, mo put it really well after we watched this where it's like there's this there's a difference between a tip and an investment absolutely right? and you can see her instantly register that money as a tip and yeah. she's like, this is not somebody believing in me. Yeah. Like, this is this is somebody giving me money because I performed well. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's just it's even if it's enough money to fund her business, it's psychologically a different thing for her. Absolutely. It probably isn't. It's probably and like, it's probably not enough money to fund it's a business. Probably a couple thousand dollars. Yeah. It's like a nice it's a nice chunk of savings that'll give her a little bit of breathing room for like a couple of years before it's gone. Right. But it's like unless she really like had rich people like connections she's not gonna be able to like leave her job yeah because of it and so um, her her story ends and um, belinda's reaction is very much um yeah that as this is you fucked me over you, yeah. i don't care about this fucking envelope um and it's true she did um belinda's story ends because we have to go back and tell yeah her her story ends with the end of another person's story and that woman name is rachel rachel and i love her story um because she's the worst she's she's the the worst worst character well but (laughs) but she's very relatable more than paula i think i think rachel is the character who you're supposed to feel that you are Mm mm-hmm and then her betrayal of the, of what happens at, at the end of her story is, I think, more is worse than Paula. Yeah. Because so what happens is, is that Shane and, and Rachel, they're on their honeymoon. They're on their honeymoon. They booked a room, the pineapple suite. Um, yep. Or are they in the pineapple suite? No, it's the pineapple suite is what they're supposed to get because they get the pineapple with a knife and that'll be important later. And they get the palm. Um, but so they get the palm suite, yeah. but they're, they're supposed to be in the pineapple suite. That's what they booked. They get the palm suite and it's because, um, um, Armand fucked up. Armand fucked up. Armand's the hotel manager. He fucked up. He booked them in the wrong room <laughs> and he booked somebody else in the right room, but he's like, I'm going to try to play it off. I'm going to play it cool. Whatever. Right. Because his whole deal, and we haven't talked enough about Armand because he's a fantastic he is character. The main character of the show. <laughs> he's the main character of the show. He is a, he looks kind of like John Cleese. He's a, uh, a thin Australian gay guy yeah. with a big fat mustache mm-hmm. and he wears like open, you know, Hawaiian shirts with a blazer over them. Yeah. Um, excellent. Excellent drip. Unbelievable. <laughs> unbelievable drip. <laughs> Fantastic. Just like his, his, his acting in this 
is astounding. He's he is. Because, I said it on the other episode. I'll say it again. He is worth the price of admission alone. Yeah, and it's it's funny because I didn't know what you meant when we first when I first started watching it. I was mm-hmm. like, I mean, he's good, but I you know he's fine. But like the way he switch the code switches, I guess mm-hmm. from like the guy who because he's so convincingly just i'm right with you right away sir like absolutely we're here to take care of you yeah that you don't really get what his character is for a few episodes Mm -hmm. like you don't really get that he is what his real life personality is and like how switching between those two people are like is like killing him yes (laughs) and he he reminds me so much of the um the the spirited away thing with like the yeah with like the the mask that's like the cute face on the front of this like blob amorphous yeah. crazy thing it's, that, uh, i just think of just like he's just no this, eyes like, i think that guy's yeah called. he's like this like tornado of chaos that just has <laughs> like a, a fun mask on the front of it that can like go to you and be like ah, i'm cute ah. please give <laughs> and then if you ah. get anywhere too close to him you're just like torn <laughs> apart by this tornado yeah <laughs> yeah um he is a recovering alcoholic yeah who is um really quickly falls off the wagon in the show yeah, i think he's, it's the second he's episode. driven to relapse basically by the job by uh well by shane in particular okay yeah so he is like fuck I, he tells um one of the employees who in the first episode has a baby on the job because yeah. she doesn't know she's not a, it's her first day on the job and you don't know she, she doesn't know she's not allowed to, uh to say i have to leave because i'm having a baby yeah um which really sets up the tone i think of like mm-hmm. these people are striving to make these people happy to their complete detriment and downfall yeah. sometimes they lose their life sometimes they lose their you know health you know whatever right um and so uh armand says what's his name right armand armand yeah armand is like tells one of the other clerks like shit i think i fucked up we'll just tell him it's fine he's he he lies really well he's like we don't actually have a honeymoon suite yeah they're, yeah, they're all, all in, the same they're suite. all the same and he's like this is actually a better room because this one has a a it has an ocean view ocean view why would you come to hawaii and not have an ocean view yeah well that's like the funniest part to me is that like objectively he's right the palm suite is better than the pineapple suite when they get to the pineapple suite you're like this room sucks right and (laughs) why did you want this yeah and even rachel yeah so shane has a huge hair up his ass about this Mm -hmm. and and it's more or less his whole story for the show is just trying to make that yes is trying to get this get one over on this guy yeah get him to admit that they made a mistake get him to you know have you ever met people like this like people who are kind of rich Mm -hmm. who think people are slaves like they they want so badly to have slaves and if customer service or somebody in the service industry or a company like they really revel in like putting it to workers yes like i've i've known a couple people like this who just like love fucking with people who messed up and like think they can get something for free Mm -hmm. and they justify it themselves like oh it's a company like sure it's a company and 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 also like i i paid for this thing i'm do this thing you know like i i deserve it or whatever yeah Yeah. uh and uh but they clearly are revel it's a power thing to them Mm -hmm. and shane shane gets what he wants more or less like it within a couple episodes he gets refunded the money yes difference between the two rooms like it's not about that for him cannot let it go yeah uh he 
it, he's entitled to what he paid for uh, and wants the room and will not let Armand live it down. Yeah. And is just trying to fuck Armand over and over again. And Armand plays it a little back just because of who his character is. Right. But it's like he didn't draw first blood here. Like, yeah, he, yeah, yeah. he absolutely And ultimately, all, every he's, time all he's capable of doing is petty pranks. You know, right. Shane is capable of like ruining Armand's life, which he does. He literally does. Um, um, and so, so the, 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 the story here is that Rachel and Shane, Rachel met Shane six months ago. Yeah. So they just got married. What you find out over the course of their relationship, a lot of them talking way more than you'd think in a show like this. Like there's a lot of actual relationship in this show mm-hmm. and like a lot of them having actual fights and actual conversations. And Sean is so so smartly written as a douchebag, but not an inhuman caricature. Right. Like he has like a lot of moments where he's like, Hey, I understand. Like, I'm sorry. Like, let's get through this. You know, yeah, like and, he and, has and a like, lot of his like douchebag stuff is coming from a place of, of like, you can understand why he thinks that where he's like, for example, like a big one is that she, her one of her biggest struggles throughout the series is that she is this journalist she wants to work her way up in journalism she wants to have a career this fulfilling that means something to her yeah and to find purpose through it and he is like but you're rich now so you yeah. don't have to do well, that. why would you do that why would you do that like can, just don't work one thing that i wish that 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 somebody had said to her including molly shannon who's shane's mother who crashes mm. their honeymoon unbelievable uh, cameo from her would be amazing um love to see her again um but one thing i wanted somebody to say to her is like you can write anything now yeah like you can you can start your own Substack or a right. youtube channel you can start vice you can be the new vice or whatever like you have unlimited cash yeah and if you want to write a book if you want to spend five years doing like an investigative piece on something that actually matters to you, you can do that. But the thing is, you know exactly what her, you know, exactly, you know exactly what, what that means to her is she's just like, but then I have to work. I have to be the one, you know, cause she's, she's <laughs> incapable of actually making a decision. She literally yeah. every time she's faced with anything at all, the first thing she does is go to somebody else for advice. Right. Um, so Rachel, uh, is slow so you're introduced to rachel as the hapless sort of naive uh wife of this douchebag yeah and so you're immediately kind of on her side um yeah in the beginning and you can't not be she's like she is genuinely being treated pretty poorly she she says yes exactly and she also is saying that she didn't come from money Mm -hmm. and she's like we grew up pretty poor you kind of get the sense that that might be a bit of a lie um yeah they, like, she's like middle class she she's, she had enough she's to, not rich like but her she's, parents paid for her college her parents probably helped her out yeah and she has a nice journalism job in the city in new york city um seems like everybody's from new york um mm-hmm. or everyone lives in new york city or at least has a house there um and so so she uh she's sort of having this crisis of like relationship and saying like, I don't know if I want to, this guy's kind of being an asshole. And then there's this whole, like she gets a job after to write something insanely stupid, some listicle. And she feels the need to take that. And Shane is like, no, don't take that. We're on on our honeymoon. honeymoon. Don't do that. Which 
you kind of agree with him yeah, there. Yeah, you're like, that's it's fair, like, dude. Like, like he, he, and, uh, you know, they're bad communicators because they're terrible for each other. And he, but if you are in that relationship, you might say, like, hey, I'm not asking you to stop making that decision now. I'm just saying, don't do it now. Like, take one more week off. Like, yeah. it's fine. <laughs> you know? And, and she writes, like, she's like, look, I mean, if I keep saying no to stuff, then they're going to stop giving me stuff. And, you know, sure, that's fair. But also, it's like, you, you're, you're a, you know you're in a rat race and i'm saying you don't have to be in a rat race yeah right and what you do learn oh so then you we we see her go for advice about her career yeah which which gets funnier and funnier uh as the show goes on because she doesn't give a shit about her career right like she just wants you re- you realize that she just she just wants, wants something credit. to like yeah she, she wants just, credit for wanting a career she more than she wants a career she wants the result that she has which is wealth mm-hmm. and the ability to not work but she wants to ha- complete the american dream or like the millennial dream of getting it on her own i don't even know if she wants that though well, she i thinks think she, she wants that. i think she wants the she wants the satisfaction of people knowing that she wants that exactly it's it's the story about like um uh leonardo dicaprio at the beginning of of filming Django Unchained when like he's like nervous <laughs> about saying the n-word yeah. and he's like I don't know if like I, I mean I don't feel comfortable doing this I don't feel okay about doing it and then like Samuel Jackson allegedly goes up to him and says like motherfucker it's just a Tuesday for us yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think you know we're, we both watched that uh, Feek the Signifier yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and you know I think the point of that is that like Jamie Foxx is like alright my my way of dealing with a white person performing that is to be like thank you for performing your discomfort don't worry about it i'm gonna help you assuage that and Mm -hmm. samuel jackson is like don't fucking perform that shit at me yeah like i know you don't give a shit i don't i know you don't give a shit and i don't you know i don't care do anything for me if you give a shit Yeah. So stop it. You're gonna do it. You have to do it. Yeah. We know both. Or don't know that. do it and fucking go work somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever <laughs> it is you're doing, stop putting it on me. You read the script. <laughs> yeah. You took the <laughs> why, job. Why are you doing this? It's fucking dumb. You and just you, want credit for this moment of doubt. Exactly. That's all you want from this. Hundred percent. And that's Rachel's whole character, which you yeah. find out slowly. Which is so great about this show is that it like for the first three episodes, you're like well, I hear this person. Yeah. Like, it feels totally reasonable to be like, well, this guy's a huge dickhead. I would never marry him. Mm-hmm. I have a career. I wouldn't want to just be a trophy wife. But then you realize that she doesn't actually have any other alternative and doesn't want anything other than that. Yeah. And she's just being a bitch because... <laughs> it's even set up really well when she talks to... Um, what's her name? Nicole. Nicole. So Mossberger... The, their their lives start to intertwine a little bit the moss yeah. burgers so she like goes up to talk to her she's like i wrote a profile of you once whatever blah 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 well uh and asks her <laughs> for and asks her for advice on her career and and she gives her a pretty reasonably you know fair assessment where she says like look you don't have a fucking prenup so if this marriage ends like you don't have enough money to live the rest of your life so keep your fucking career yeah you know and and then she's like yeah but like i don't know and it's like all right well then <laughs> shut up then don't why are you yeah. why are you asking me uh yeah and uh so you know she sort of is like hey i know you're she's she's a cto of a quote unquote search engine so we're just gonna say google, this is google uh, yeah. she's the cto of google and so she's on you know magazines or whatever people know who she is and she walks up to her and is like hey i know who you are like i just wanted 
to ask you a question and she gets all this advice from her and she's like yeah i wrote this this article about you yeah in this like in the business insider like 50 best women in tech or whatever and she's like oh you wrote that 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 was a disgusting hit piece yeah you thought that and she's like no i was i was trying to be positive and like no even better her defense of it isn't that it's positive her defense of it is that it was bullshit she's like she's like it was just a puff piece yeah (laughs) (laughs) which is such a great defense of your work to be like no it was meaningless (laughs) it wasn't it wasn't cruel it was worthless in fact yeah i didn't even mention anything that you've actually done bad uh which is true i mean they talk about it and it's like that that writing is so amazing yeah because they like she the way she takes these like very slight criticisms or like ways of handling like these big things that were in the news is like fuck you actually for not completely taking my side yeah, yeah and yeah. not completely considering me as the you know god queen of tech that i am um and then so they basically never talk again because they're like fuck you yeah um, but like what's important i guess about that is that like literally nobody comes to her defense on that like she goes to her husband about her new husband about it and is like this woman i tried to talk to her and she was a fucking bitch to me and he's like oh that sucks (laughs) well anyway about this room (laughs) yeah (laughs) but also i think the the as a scene what it's trying to be like is that this whole like women in positions of power we have each other's back is a complete lie sure like everyone is out for themselves in you know capitalism and like nobody gives a shit if you're a woman right like no <laughs> no one's like hey you have a pussy like but we should like not be fighting it's like yeah yeah you did one thing to slight me i'm a billionaire or i'm a hundred millionaire so like fuck you i'm gonna ruin your career that's right. how i got here <laughs> you know what i mean and so that feels really smart too um but so so their story continues basically that like the two of them are constantly like butting heads about like whether or not uh uh rachel should keep having a career or not and he is just so like like ahab you know like like <laughs> yeah i'm gonna kill this guy yeah, like he is just like maddening like obsessed with destroying armand that <laughs> that he's ruining the trip and they yeah. they kind of like at some point she's like i think i'm fucking done i think i'm done with this relationship and she like kind of leaves she gets another room yeah somehow somehow <laughs> uh and the end of it basically is that like so um there is a another intertwining here is that she basically like you said she um Oh, 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 yeah, yeah. So she she goes and meets with um, Belinda. With Belinda, that's like her last thing. Is like she's freaking out one night, and Belinda's like, "Look, if you need somebody to talk to, here's my card." Right. Which she is another time of her, her being like way putting too, way too much into her job. Yeah. But so she's finally is just like, "Look, Belinda, like I need to talk to somebody, and you're you're the person who offered, so let's talk." And Belinda has just literally just. <laughs> just gotten dumped by tanya yeah and so she's sitting there like still shell-shocked from this 
and Rachel is like pouring her heart out about how she has these dreams of and ambitions and like places she wants to go in her life and how she's worried that she's not going to be able to do them because she's going to be too rich. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like I'm worried that like my rich husband is not going to like, I'm I'm never going to be able to achieve my dreams because I'm going to be too complacent from being rich and not having to worry about anything ever again. I'm too insanely hot (laughs) and white and rich and I just don't know how I feel about that. Yeah. And Belinda with her, you know, couple thousand dollars in an envelope is sitting there and she just says, well, she doesn't say fuck you. She's just like, I'm out of advice and walks out of the yeah, room. I'm out of advice leaves. Yeah. Just gone. Um, yeah. And so that experience basically makes her run back to Shane. Yeah. And, and just say, all right, well, whatever. Yeah. She I says, guess- she says I can be happy. I can be happy. Yeah. Yeah. No shit. You can be happy. (laughs) What the fuck? Like, of course. (laughs) And I love that. That's enough for him. He like embraces her and that's like, they're they're coming back together. They're being like, I can be happy. (laughs) I can be happy. I can do this. (laughs) So, uh, we're going long. We picked a six hour movie, so it's going to go a little long. Um, so the other whole story, now we've got, four more characters that yeah. have all kind of we're going to try and take them all as a single thing yeah um so the mossbachers the mossbachers are a dysfunctional family and let's start with uh olivia and paula okay and they thankfully don't have much of a story on their own mm-hmm. um they the big d- thing is that they're just like they're super woke college kids who kinda. are constantly like at so like they go to dinner every night all of them together yeah uh at the restaurant at the hotel and it seems like these are just like battlegrounds for these like these 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 culture wars that they see themselves as being in the trenches of and they're constantly like pointing out like the richness and the whiteness of their surroundings yeah and at first it (laughs) seems like something that they're in together as a team but as against the parents against the parents and against like the hotel as a whole but as Paula starts to kind of like split off into a romantic entanglement with this boy who works at the hotel. Yeah. Um, what's her Kai. name? Kai. Yeah. But what's the other girl's name? Olivia. Olivia kind of starts to turn on her and starts to like direct these culture wars in such a way that they just fall on Paula's shoulders exclusively. <laughs> <laughs> Like she'll whip up a frenzy at the table, whip this whole thing up, right, and then throw it to Paula to be like, and then here you go, it's yours. Yeah, you're now. black. So <laughs> enjoy this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tell my parents off for me. Yeah. It's sort of her, I guess, purpose for being there is to make her seem like she has some am- ammunition against her parents, right? Um, which is just really gross. Mm-hmm. Um, but. They also just do drugs together a lot. Yeah, they do a um, lot of drugs. Paula brought a shit ton of everything. Yeah. Ketamine, cocaine. Um, but she loses it weed. almost instantly. They lose their bag. They do it a couple times. They do ketamine once, mm-hmm. I think. And during that time, they leave their bag because they have a, a shocking run-in with Tanya. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> who I imagine as a big furry cat who whines a lot. Um <laughs> just waddles over to them and they're like hi <laughs> oh you're on drugs um and then so it's returned to lost and found armand finds it yeah. or is it's given to armand by um 
by Dylan, yeah. I believe. His his cute Twinkie kid who he works with. Yes. And uh, he looks in it and is basically like, fuck. <laughs> we realize that he is, you know, a sober guy and um, is stressing out over the Shane stuff. So he pops a Xanax. Yeah. And that begins Armand's downfall. Yeah. He um, just fully just like like a fucking wave off just the wagon. Like, yeah, it just <laughs> knocks him straight off the not just off the wagon but off the road yeah. like, <laughs> down the hill yeah, rolling the into hill. the prairie into the cow shit <laughs> doesn't even really remember where the road is <laughs> anymore doesn't not sure if the wagon even has wheels on it anymore what a wagon is yeah. <laughs> uh just yeah. like sleeping in his car <laughs> <laughs> not going home yeah, yeah like looking like he's dead half the time but amazingly still like keeping it together super capable um but so so yeah so otherwise their story is um um paula and kai kai is a hawaiian boy who works at the hotel paula and kai are having kind of like a fling together yeah they fucking a couple times uh but she's very much like putting this thing on him where she's like you're so real and like you're you're like you know, you're not like the the people who come here. And he's like, no, of course not. I'm I'm you know a person who works here. I'm different. <laughs> <laughs> it's different. I wonder why. Yeah, it's almost like you're not reading all of those books you're holding, right? Uh, and you're and, not actually writing a thesis on colonialism. And even if you are, it doesn't really like you don't know. It doesn't anything. seem to influence your life in any meaningful way. Yeah. <laughs> um, Shocker. But so he kind of explains to her that like his family is from here and like their land had been kind of encroached upon by this hotel and they lost a bunch of money and they lost their land and whatever yeah and they've been like trying to they seem like they're kind of trying to sue the hotel but like they don't have the money to get a lawyer it's unclear if that's actually anything that's happening or something that happened once or, or he like, wants to and like yeah it ha- like made a GoFundMe or something i mean right it's like, yeah it's but unclear. he works at the hotel and his brothers hate him for it um right and that's kind of his main thing and we'll get to kind of like where his story ends up a little later but yeah. so the other mossbachers are the the husband and the wife who are kind of just like really at odds with each other but they're still together right um, so the opening is steve's on thinks his balls are swollen and might have cancer. Yeah. Um, and so that, I guess, pretty resolves itself pretty quickly, I think, by the third episode. Yeah, he um, thinks he has testicular cancer, but he's starting to, like, treat his son in a different way because he's like, I might be dying. My dad died at the same age that I am now. He's having functionally, like, a midlife crisis, but not in, like, the way you... is normally shown in in movies sort of like a a more gen x-y midlife crisis of like oh fuck i'm gonna die uh what have i done with my life kind of thing like i've got to do something good um and so he's trying to connect with his son he's trying to connect with his family i guess in general when he finds out that he doesn't have ball cancer um it it rejuvenates him and he's sort of like trying to make peace with everything in his life and really live life to the fullest yeah um but he also, when he finds out he doesn't have ball cancer, he also finds out that his dad, who he like looked up to as this like masculine ideal, his dad was actually gay and died of AIDS, yeah. uh, not of ball cancer, like he had always thought. And, and I think one of the most like poignant scenes that in the, in the in the whole show for me, mm. like it is kind of funny because it is it's kind like, of funny. It's yes. about ball cancer and AIDS and gay guys, but it's like his acting there 
is so earnest mm-hmm. and uh he calls his his uncle um and you know that the uncle is just a voice on the phone but like his acting is so earnest and like that moment of him finding out like that he's been lied to for his whole life and sort of not knowing how to deal with that is so complex and 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 there's a lot of and raw that i felt like made me feel something for him as a yeah. character um even though he's really a, impressed by uh, his acting in yeah this overall. i mean steve we've I think we've done that thing you do on this show. Mm. I'm a huge Steve Zahn fan. I love him everything he's been in, but it's usually just a doofus in yes. a teen comedy. And then later on adult comedies, but very rarely anything serious where he gets to actually act, but he's amazing. In he's this. very impressive. Um, and so he finds out that his dad was gay and had a different life outside of his family life and died fades. And um, it takes him an episode or two to like really reckon with what that means for him mm-hmm. which at first he's like it's not just because i'm a little homophobic and it, it's different but more like because i feel like i was comparing myself to someone i didn't know yeah yeah, yeah. um and he kind of has this like crisis of masculinity that kind of like coincides with like this like fear of death and this like realizing that like he never really knew his dad realizing that his son doesn't really know him realizing that he is kind of like he is not the breadwinner of his family but he's also not like a caregiver to his family he's not really anything to his family in particular he's just a hanger on and he's trying to like figure out what his role is to them yeah and and I so, think he sees his daughter as a completely lost cause. <laughs> so he's like I really think, <laughs> focusing on his son. <laughs> which is pretty reasonable because she is like constantly an antagonist to yeah, him, uh-huh. does not respect him, does not think he is worth anything, like, yeah. is just basically a villain to her. Um, and so he is focusing on his son who he doesn't really know what to make of. Mm-hmm. Um because it's not that his son is not masculine or a guy. It's just that he's like blank. Yeah. He's just like, he's like we were saying before, he's like, he's a screen addict. He just like has nothing. Yeah. Like, he's not really there. But in the first episode, he sleeps out on the beach. His sister kicks him out of the room. He sleeps out on the beach. I think in the second episode, because he's sleeping in the small kitchen in the first one. Yeah, you're right. You're right. But he sleeps out on the beach, basically, pretty early on in the series. And and the tide comes in and washes away his iPad, his phone, and his, his switch. switch. Every electronic that he brought with him all gets washed away yeah. all at once. <laughs> so now he's having a fucking panic attack the whole time. But his dad is being like hey let's do something together yeah and he's like throwing him like all these like ideas like how about we go skydiving or parasailing sailing or waterboarding or whatever yeah and they're like it's, it's water skiing not waterboarding that's torture right and, <laughs> and he's like what if we go scuba and he's like okay i guess we'll go scuba and they like they go to Armand and he's like, well, you got to do, you can get your license here to go scuba diving, but you have to take a three day course. And he's like, on the last day you'll be able to go scuba diving for real. Yeah. And, um, so they do that and they go every day and they get their like training, but it like doesn't really seem to bring them closer together. In fact, it like kind of like almost like wedges them further apart because, because like they can't talk underwater. They can't talk underwater. <laughs> and when they, they finish the sessions, they like keep hanging out and, and, and Steve Zahn's character is just like, so like 
in this crisis of self that he just can't stop saying ridiculous shit. Yeah. <laughs> that just like ruins his relationship with his son. He tells him that he had an affair. He like tells him all sorts of stuff because he's like, I never knew my dad. My dad lied to me. I should tell you the truth. Yeah, even my if dad it hurts was gay. You. I had like, an affair. Uh, your mother and I don't fuck. Yeah. Uh, you know, like insane stuff that he shouldn't be saying because he doesn't know how to be a father. Yeah. He doesn't know how to be anything. Like he doesn't have a role model. He doesn't have any community it seems he doesn't really have friends he's just like adrift yeah and so he's just trying to be as open as possible because i feel like this is a really interesting choice because he's not trying to be like let me because the easy way would have been like let's make this guy a hyper masculine guy who's trying to like whip his son into shape or something you know like there's tropey things you could have chosen but i don't think i've ever seen a character like this where he's like I don't even know what the point is. Like, how do you be a father? Right. And so he's a kind of like soaked in this sort of like weird LA, New York hippie, like radical therapy. Like, let's just be open and honest with each other kind of thing, like to heart a little bit. And it's Mm. just like radical honesty. Like, I'm just going to say everything in my head because he's like kind of a narcissist, like everybody, (laughs) you know, like all of these rich people. So he's just saying like, uh, here's every here's all of my dirty laundry. I'm just gonna tell you because you're here and I want to have a relationship with you. Uh, and the son is just like, I don't care. I don't need this. I don't want, I don't want, this. want it. Yeah. <laughs> like part of the balancing act of being a parent to like an older, you know, sentient person is that you you do have to keep up some level of like you do have to have some level of honesty, but you also have to have some level of myth. Like that's a really important part of I feel like the 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 relationship dynamic of, of a parent and a child, right. Is like, there is some, like, no matter what you do, like, like there's still going to be a parent, you know, like, does this make sense? Like it's, it's like, you need to maintain some facade of like, I, I let information out to you, but there is stuff that you don't know and it's because like, you can't know because, because you're not my friend. Yeah, exactly. Like you're not my friend. And honestly, even with friends, like there's lots of shit I'm not telling them yes. about like my personal life and, and like stuff that I'm ashamed of. Like, you know, you don't have to tell everyone everything all the time right? because it doesn't matter. And unless it's like, unless you need their advice or you're trying to like, you're just dumping stuff that they don't need and doesn't help anybody, but you, you're being selfish. Yeah. You know, like if you're talking about like, Oh, I have a problem with stuff stealing things from people's houses or something it's Mm -hmm. like go to therapy yeah like don't you know know, like (laughs) you don't need to tell me stuff like that or whatever um i was that's marie from breaking bad (laughs) uh but uh you know so it's like he doesn't know what to do and so he doesn't know how to be a good father so he just does that and that doesn't help him in 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 any way (laughs) yeah but they do end up going scuba diving and uh and it's important in a moment right um so Basically, now that now that uh, the kid, what is his fucking name? Uh, now that the son doesn't have anything, Quinn. Quinn. He has to um, sort of figure out what he's doing there without going crazy. For an episode, he steals his dad's phone for the whole time, but that doesn't help him. Yeah. And he kind of sleeps out on the beach because his sister is a huge bitch. And she's like, we don't want you around. Leave. Yeah. And he's like, fine, I'll sleep out on the beach. That's how he originally gets his shit ruined and he ends up just doing that for the rest of the show and he's like jerking off to porn on his dad's phone and he's like realizes like this is nothing 
Yeah, and he like looks out at the ocean and he sees a whale. Yeah. And then like he starts basically he starts like seeing these Hawaiian dudes with this like like indigenous boat contraption thing that they're like yeah, riding like on. Canoe or whatever. And like the first like one or two it's like a canoe, but it's got like a second canoe on the side. I don't know what those are called. Yeah, I forget. But um but so uh he sees them like the first day and he says, like, hey, that looks really cool and they're like, Yeah, it is and then like <laughs> the next time he's like yeah it's really cool they're like hey you should come with us sometime he's like nah maybe next time and then like the third time they invite him and he's like all right i'll go and then like the rest of the time he's like going and rowing with them and he's taking it more and more seriously and like one of the times he like almost skips scuba because he's like i'm so fucking beat from this huge canoe trip we just did (laughs) um and he like finds purpose in the world and it's like a really nice little story for him um but i feel like we need to uh go back a little I was just gonna say like move along a little bit because like uh they're like the the um because we're at the point now where like they all kind of converge they all converge right (laughs) yeah um where so it's the last day they're out on their um they're out on their scuba trip. Everybody goes on the boat with them to go to the scuba trip. (laughs) Oh yeah. Um, Okay. So Paula has convinced Kai to rob. This is how it all kind of comes together. Paula has convinced Kai to rob their room. The Mossbacher's room. She's going to give them the code to the safe where Steve's on has, or the mom, Nicole has, has kept the bracelet that Mark, the dad has given her to make up for the affair that they had. Yes. That he told about the son. And she says, go up there, take these $75,000 bracelets, fund your lawsuit against the hotel, get your yeah. land back. And I'm doing this out of the I'm generosity. Doing land back. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. She thinks that she's, and it's unclear if she thinks she's actually doing something good or she's just like doing it. She's just it getting revenge on, on, on the family and, and the specifically sister. on Olivia for, for being a bitch to her. Right. And her plan is to take, like, she's like, Oh, Olivia, will you put this necklace that matters a lot to me that you've <laughs> never seen before in the safe? Um, and then she gets the code. She hears the code. She tells the kid. So while they're all out on the boat for them to go scuba diving, um, the whole family, um, Nicole has a breakdown for some reason. I kind of yeah, I don't remember what it is. It's, I don't somebody says something trigger. that that like upsets her. Yeah, for some reason it is unclear what happens. Maybe something with work. She has to like send an email or something, and he says something shitty about like, you know, come be present or something. Yeah, and whatever she, it is. Whatever yeah. it is, they have a a fight, and she is like, "You're always undermining me. Like I'm always the bad." guy on the punching bag or whatever so fuck you all i hate all of you i'm going back to the room and so she runs back to the room steve's on is like hey i care about you and also chases after her yes then while she gets to the room while she's in the room kai is stealing the bracelets uh has them in a bag has the safe locked back she comes in and uh he does some calculus of like, I don't know how to get out of this. He puts a sort of gator up on his, and a hat on yeah. a mask on his face. And he's like, get on the ground. Fuck you. Like yeah, he like pushes her over. Like, yeah. it's like, fuck you. Don't fucking get up. You know, I, I, I don't want to hurt, I, I, I hurt you. I'm going to get the fuck out of here. And then Steve Zahn comes in and fucking tackles. Him. Yeah. And <laughs> uh, he tackles him and saves the mom, I guess. And yeah. then Kai fi- runs off. He runs, runs off. off. He gets away. Uh, and we don't see him again for a little while. Yeah. Steve Zahn is now like 
renewed vigor in life like he's he's got some fucking swagger he's yeah. like he's like look at me i'm the fucking man of the family yeah, and, he, and got, he got punched yeah he got he saved the wife yeah and so their relationship is sort of reinvigorated yeah they life. fuck again they're yeah. like in love again um and pointedly uh, paula saw him and her leave back to the room and did not text kai yeah didn't do anything didn't do anything did not follow them did not did not feel the need to rectify the situation, even though she knew that Kai was there. Yes. Um, stealing the bracelets. And it was her fault that she did that. She convinced him to do it. He did not want to do it. Right. She very much pushed him into doing it. Very swiftly after that, he's caught off screen. Yes. So this is something that like, I feel like has gotten a lot of criticism about this show that I feel like is one of the best features of the show. personally which is that kai gets caught completely off screen you don't see it you barely hear about it they just get the bracelets back and armand is there to give them to them and says like i'm so sorry that this happened to you so sorry yeah um and and olivia who is on to paula at this point says like was it somebody who works for you he's like yeah a good kid too we really liked him it's a shame that yeah, it happened who, weird that it would have been him yeah. you know anyway i'm really sorry that this happened to you guys like i really hope that you know this hasn't like you know obviously your whole trip is comped and, and whatever she, and they're like, like oh wow that's really nice of you, and she's actually. like what's his name yeah <laughs> and he says uh kai and she's like i fucking knew it i knew it um but yeah i i, I guess that's something that people are criticizing i haven't really read anything mm-hmm positive or negative about this show um so the criticism that i've heard is that it focuses too much for a show that's you know ostensibly about how the rich impacts the poor it it you know completely pays attention to the rich and not the poor sure because it's not for the poor yes exactly Uh, it's a show for people who believe themselves to be aspirational or at least at the very least in the position of Rachel, mm-hmm. where there they are people who watch HBO. It's not yeah. it's not for people who work at a hotel. Yeah. You know, and I mean Kai like, doesn't watch fucking prestige TV on HBO. <laughs> yeah, I don't think not so. Not since not since Game of Thrones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're not watching a bunch of white people shows, yeah. right? And so I feel like it's a show that is not a not it's not Atlanta. It's mm-hmm. not a show that's about you know, created by people of color for people of color for poor people or, you know, to see your experience reflected. That's not the show it's trying to be. And I feel like, I feel like that criticism is kind of guest. It's a, it's a liberal guest of white Lotus, mm-hmm. uh, kind of thing of be like, Hey, I want to feel good yeah, about this yeah, show yeah. that I'm watching. So you have to show me their pain so that I can empathize with them. Yes. You're not supposed to make me empathize with these characters. And it's like, well, if you empathize with those characters in this show, then this is for you. The reason why you should be watching it. Yes. Uh, (laughs) Um, yeah. So Kai gets completely fucked because of Kai is going to go to jail for ever, forever. Yeah. For a long ass time. He's going to go to jail for a long ass time. Yes. Um, his life is ruined completely, completely fucked. Paula, doesn't do anything she does not no. fess up to it she doesn't um try to help him in any way the, the, they, all she does is text him and say where are you yeah where are you and then once she finds out where he is she never texts him again does not text him again what and she does is she uh when they all go on the scuba boat again finally she uh she like takes this necklace that uh kai gave her made her 
made her and like kind of like sadly like drops it off the side of the boat as if to say like i haven't earned you yeah. i haven't earned you kai <laughs> and but, your realness but like, really i'm washing my hands of i'm this. washing my hands of this uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna go back to my liberal arts college <laughs> yeah i'm gonna go back to brooklyn and pretend like i'm an activist because yeah. i'm reading nietzsche and it's like you know it's just disgusting behavior yeah. like <laughs> and i think this is one of the things that if it's made anybody mad i feel like that her character might be i think very important but i can also see that you could be like this white man is overstepping his yeah, bounds uh-huh. because you know she is a upper middle class or you know she like it's implied that she's not as rich as the cto of google yeah but it's but like, it's but like who is? But who is yeah she's like i'm in a different class than you but i'm also here and i'm with you and i'm not and you go to the same college as her and like yeah. you know if if you wanted us to think that it wasn't like that you would have written in something about how she's on financial aid or something like yeah, that yeah. it's intentional it's clearly she's a not. rich she's from a rich black family like right which she, exists which exists <laughs> yeah um and i think that's a really important thing about this show is that it shows that even your class matters not just your identity and even yeah. if you feel entitled to indigenous people's suffering mm. like you are only going to make it worse if you don't if you think you can fix it by yourself yeah it's it's a good it's like one of the few portrayals of intersectionalism that like i think really is effective where it does show that like paula is treated differently as a person of color like absolutely paula absolutely faces oppression in this show from the white people as a person of color. Well, she faces discrimination she and faces tokenization. Discrimination and tokenization. And then she's equally able to impose her own like she she has privilege over Kai. Like yeah, there is there is class, there is race. They're two different, you know, axes of of discrimination and what have you. Yeah. Um, and it, and you know, not that one is less than the other because almost everybody at who works there is a person of color. Mm -hmm. So it's like the access isn't like, (laughs) like in America at the very least, like poor and you know, race are nearly the same. Right. (laughs) Um, But not in every case. And it's important to recognize that just because Paula is um, a black person uh, doesn't mean she's the same as these people because there's a very other important access Mm -hmm. uh, to, 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 to show here and i think the show does a really good job of that yeah um just wrapping up the stories yeah i'm um, trying to think is there anything else that happens with the mossbachers they like oh i mean quinn uh is saying that he wants to stay he basically makes friends with the canoeing guys yeah and uh they're like you can't you're literally not allowed you're a 16 year old kid yeah um and, but he runs away. But he runs away. And he, he literally goes to the airport. And after they all board the plane, he fucking takes off yeah. and runs back and like ostensibly spends his life sleeping on the beach and like hanging out with Hawaiians, yeah. which is a type of guy. Until um, like he gets bored of it and goes home or whatever. Like, you know, you kind of want to believe that because I think there is this is one of the most interesting things that I haven't again i haven't read much about this show but i do feel like there's an interesting thing that it's like you can stop being this person Mm -hmm. like class is not something that you you're born with 
Right. I mean, you can be born into a family with money, mm-hmm. but you can leave. You can actually take all of your privilege and like let it go. Yeah. Um, and you can alien. You you basically have to lose everything, and by that, I think it's a lot harder than people realize because it's like, well, just give away your money. But it's like you can never stop having your family, but right. you can like stop talking to them. You have to lose your family and get another family. And that's a very difficult thing to do. It's not easy to like leave, but you really, but if you fucking run away and never speak to your family again, <laughs> you can do that. Yeah. Um, it's a weird thing to do and people are scared to do it. But I like that. There's this thing of like, if you ran away and didn't like ever talk to these freaks again, like you would be in a different class. Yeah. Like you might, become homeless and like you might have to fend for yourself he sensibly is he lives on the beach he's a homeless person yeah you might become in a different class even if you were born into the other one and he becomes a class trader yeah at least in the fiction of the show and so that's interesting the last thing that happens is armand yes so armand throughout the show we we've kind of like peppered him in throughout here but basically he's he's gone on this huge binge uh absolutely just like you know uh, fucked up constantly all the time but still keeping it together for work um but he starts to kind of like uh, there's some cracks in the foundation that kind of lead to him eventually um fucking a a a subordinate a co-worker yes a a co-worker but a subordinate it's somebody who works for him and he very specifically says like i'll give you whatever shifts you want i just want to fuck you yeah and um it's it's a fucked up thing that he does (laughs) but he has a he you know he has a line where he's like he's like you know you you make shit money like what do you fucking care like i'm exploiting you they exploit me like it's all just part of the same thing we're all just fucked here you know it's funny that actually that line may have been one of the only things in the show that I felt was a little too on the nose. Mm -hmm. Like he literally says, I exploit you. They exploit me like whatever. And it's like, yeah, I guess maybe someone would say that, but it it felt a little bit like this show is about exploitation. And it's Uh like, yeah, I I know. (laughs) But so Um, he's, so he's fucking this dude and the two of them are, are just like taking drugs and fucking whatever. And, um, the kid um, is basically, ostensibly not a gay guy but like yeah is letting his boss fuck him so he can get better, better pay shifts and in, better yeah. shifts um but then shane walks in on them uh and he's like well this is it now i'm gonna ruin now your life i finally can ruin your life like i've always wanted he already has the room at this point yeah. <laughs> uh he doesn't need anything else yeah my <laughs> but whole he chooses to do it anyway yeah so he he's or no, like, he doesn't have the room this is how he gets the room right and he demands that he gives him his boss's card uh, Armand fakes a card and then it doesn't work. Yeah. And uh, then he gives him, he somehow gets a real number. Anyway, he basically gets to the point where he's going to get him fired. He calls yeah. his real boss and is going to tell on him. And so Armand is shit faced. They get to the real room, the pineapple room. Yeah. And they do set up that there's a big knife in this room yeah, to open pineapples. Cutting pineapples. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but before that, there's a really great scene that I think is so perfect, like for the Armand character where he's like, 
he knows it's over. He's gotten the call from his boss. He's yeah. like, I'm getting fucking fired tomorrow. Who the fuck cares anymore? Yeah. And it's like him and the kids, and they're all just like ripping huge lines of like whatever <laughs> the fuck. Doesn't even matter anymore what yeah, drug it is. they don't care. Everybody is in his office party and getting fucking wasted. <laughs> but he, out of nowhere, is just like, dinner service. And he like gets up and he goes to do the dinner service. Oh, yeah. And he does a great job. And <laughs> he's, he's like, it's like, the best dinner we've ever had. Yeah, he's like charming everybody. He's like pulling out chairs. He's doing everything for everybody. <laughs> he goes back and he's like, I fucking nailed dinner <laughs> service. Rips another huge line. <laughs> and then he goes up to the pineapple suite uh, to 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 get his final act of revenge before he gets fired. Before he gets fired, which is he squats over Shane's fucking open suitcase and just takes a huge shit in it, <laughs> which you see come out of his asshole. <laughs> <laughs> yep, big old shit right on his clothes. Yeah. During that, Shane walks in, mm-hmm. and then there's a fucking like Metal Gear Solid scene yeah. where. <laughs> 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 what was that noise and <laughs> and then uh yeah, he does like hitman shit he's got to like throw the book of matches across the room to make a yeah. sound over there <laughs> uh-huh and there's like a stealth game where he's trying to get out safely yeah um but shane uh he has heard about the kai break-in and so he's on red he's alert on, yeah he's on red and alert he's like oh someone might be in my room so he picks up the pineapple knife and fucking like comes around a corner and just stabs Armand right. Stabs in Armand. The Armand chest. dies in in the plunge pool that uh, that Shane is constantly making reference to. Yeah, and uh, that's the uh, that is the body that we see on the runway in the very opening of the show. Yeah, which we forgot to reference at the beginning. <laughs> it's okay. We it's another episode. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and so that's the it all comes back around to the body that's being left. It's sort of a mystery, and the. Honestly, I don't love that about this show. Yeah, I don't really care about that. It, well, it just it does a couple things where it reminds you that there's a body on the plane and then like does a couple fake outs mm-hmm. where it's like, do you think this person's going to die? Do you think this person's going to die? And I don't it doesn't really function as tension building. Mm-hmm. It's just like maybe it's this person. I know someone's going to die and it's like that all would be equally weird and sad if they died. Yeah. And when it finally happens to Armand, it's like uh, of course, like, it was always going to be Armand. You know, <laughs> at the end of the day, you're like, I don't know who else I thought it would be. Yeah, he's been fucking doing insane amounts of drugs and alcohol. So yeah. it could have been. Yeah, I mean, it, it. You think for a second it's going to be Uncle Rico because mm-hmm. he keeps like coughing and, um, yeah. So, I, but I, why would Shane give a shit about that? But it's, it's the show is written like a tightrope like it's fucking there's one episode it's like i think it's the third episode where like everybody is in the restaurant at the same time and like armand is like kind of like bouncing between tables having interactions with everybody yeah yeah that like that's when i feel like the show hits it's kind of like peak in terms of like that like tightrope sort of buzziness like where it's just like anything can happen at any moment it's like tense everywhere (laughs) um and it's the one where like the drums are playing and like the the molly shannon is doing like the money 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 (laughs) money yeah um and so armand is dead they shane is like oh my wife uh, and then she comes back and says like i can be happy they all meet at the airport. They leave on the same and day. And another, like, another one of these things that is just glossed over completely is like, why is Shane just allowed to leave? Yeah. Oh, but the, it, the it, cops it's because he's, he's, like, he's 
Oh, he's like rich. It. You're you're one of them. You're you're watching the movie. You're you're on vacation at the hotel. This is a wacky thing that happened on your vacation. I killed a guy. Yeah. Like everything <laughs> that happens in this show is framed around it's just a wild thing that happened while I was on vacation. Weird story, huh? Yeah. Somebody like broke into our room and stole our fucking bracelets. We got it back. And it was and and, and we ended up getting the rooms for free. So it's kind of in the end it was kind of worth it. You yeah. Know? Everyone Almost everyone who works at the hotel's life is destroyed. Yeah. By the end of this, mm-hmm. uh, or at least the ones you see. I mean, yeah. probably not Dylan, but he definitely doesn't keep his job. Oh, for sure, um, Dylan got fired. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kai is in prison for maybe the rest of his life. Yeah. Uh, Armand literally dies. Yeah. Uh, the woman who gave birth, just you never see her you never again. Never see her again. She probably lost her job. She probably lost her job. Uh, whatever. Um, Belinda. Belinda. Belinda is spiritually destroyed. She probably makes out the best of everybody, but she's still like, yeah, it's not great. Well, I think she loses her will to even do the one thing that like makes her money. Like the one thing that brings her like she seemed to it's worth noting that like she seemed to take some amount of like pride in the amount she put into her grind. You know, yeah. like she she liked that she gave 110 percent. She liked that she was the person who would give you her card to say, like, hey, if you need somebody to talk come to, come to me, talk yeah. to me. Like and, and that wasn't for personal gain that she did that for Rachel. She just did that because that's what she does and that's who she sees herself as. Right. So in some ways it is kind of like she dies <laughs> like yeah. a, a, an essential part of herself died. The part that allowed her to convince herself that she was like a caregiver and like being an important part of these people's lives and not just a like sort of trope mm-hmm. of like the magical black woman to like project themselves onto and like, you know, put all, you know, be a sin eater for their guilt. Yeah. <laughs> like she has lost the illusion that anything else is happening. Um, she's just like, fuck you. I'm done with all of you. Yeah. Um, which I mean, you could say argue is a good thing. Um, but yeah, who knows how she's going to make money now? Uh, I guess hopefully that couple thousand dollars lasts for a while. Um, so yeah, everyone is just ruined except everyone who stayed at the hotel. Yeah. Who have learned to love each other again, Mm -hmm. you know? And it's funny if you look at it as a show that really actually focused on the white rich guests of the, of the hotel, like it would be a real happy ending. Yeah. You know, Uh if you're not so, confronted with the downfall of everyone else like these people came in arguing this family and like now everyone is like laughing together and like the son just like you know what i'm gonna go find myself in hawaii yeah and the fucking they're all gonna realize that he's not on the plane and they're not gonna panic they're gonna they're be like, like he oh wanted to go. he really wanted to go he's weird but we love him he's our weird son and then the couple like finds learns to be okay with okay each with other her, yeah uh belinda met a man and like or not belinda tanya met a man and is going off to aspen like their life has just they've just fallen ass backward into betterment mm-hmm. just at the behest and like the sacrifice of all of these <laughs> fucking like low wage workers <laughs> and it's uh it's so funny it's so it's funny one of this the is yeah shows. we really haven't like <laughs> fully uh put that out there but it's a very funny show it's one of the funnier shows I've seen on HBO. We said on the, the when Jeremy watched it a couple episodes ago that it that it has a tone that is sort of in the middle. Mm-hmm. But like this is a dark comedy 
heavy on the comedy. Yes. Like uh, there is laugh out loud moments in almost every episode that are hard to explain mm-hmm. <laughs> and hard to like, like there's stuff like me and my boyfriend have been quoting of just like when Paula says that she's writing a thesis about colonialism and Steve Jones just says colonialism, big topic, big topic. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's just it's there's like lots of really little stuff that are yeah. just so smart and so funny. Um, it's hard to re- yeah. Big topic is a great one. Big topic. <laughs> it's such a great like like out of touch dad like trying yeah. to be like hey yeah I know that's that's important heavy stuff yeah heavy stuff uh, yeah there's just so much funny stuff in it it's hard to even go over and you know watch the show and. We're explaining and spoiling everything in this episode, but there's so much interesting stuff yeah. that we haven't even mildly touched on. Every conversation that the the Mossbachers have that are is sort of like touching on little aspects of like liberal uh, identity politics and yeah. like liberal guilt about colonialism and and uh, exploitation of labor it's like in the show and Mm -hmm. it's like really well done and not on the nose it's not on the nose at all it feels like conversations you have with your parents the only stuff that's on the nose is the stuff that should be on the nose which is like stuff that steve's on says <laughs> like because he's he's still a dad character like yeah. like when he says something like like so what do you want to do you want to give all your money away yeah <laughs> yeah do you what are you, what are you thinking yeah you're, gonna, like, you're not gonna do that you're not yeah, gonna i think he literally that. goes no you're not gonna do that <laughs> <laughs> yeah and there's like a lot of people who really understand their position and have accepted it and it's it's funny because everyone whose life is better in the show their resolution is just be rich Mm -hmm. stop feeling guilty about it yeah and i think the best like i think the really the only person i said this to you off mic the only person who makes like a really good point (laughs) is the the son at the table yeah quinn when he says like who the fuck cares what we're all saying yeah one of the tables at one of like the table conversation, he's like, who cares what your perspective on this is? Like <laughs> it doesn't actually matter. Yeah. Cause you are all rich people. Like, yeah. The, the line is something along the lines of like, they're talking about something with like race and colonialism. He says like, why does any of this matter when we're eating the last fish? Right. Which is like, great, great line. Yeah. I mean, because it's like, we're not, you're not going to do anything about it. You're yeah. not trying to stop it. You're and it's ultimately, it's, it's fucking Watchmen, man. It's like your <laughs> smartest man on the ashes. Like it doesn't really matter if like the world is destroyed, who the fuck cares about this stuff? Right. Exactly. And it's like, you know, I could talk forever about the politics and the morality of that, but like, you can do something about it or you can shut the fuck up is what it mm. boils down to. And there are things to do about it. That's a different podcast. But <laughs> I think this show is really smartly saying you are not. You're not going to do something. You're not going to. So do shut something, the fuck up. So shut the fuck up about it. Uh, but it is important that you know what the problem is. Mm-hmm. And the problem is you person <laughs> who's watching this show. Like you're guilty of this and you're not getting off scot-free about this. And I don't know how you can really criticize the show about Mm -hmm. it, you know, not being woke enough. Like, I, I, (laughs) is that what people are saying? That it's like a rich people problems show? I guess so. Yeah. Which is just like 
we didn't watch the same show. That's not the point of the show at all. This is not for you to empathize with the people who are the guests at the show. It's not even really for you to empathize with the get with the workers of the show. Right. Like, of course they're going through t- literal torture and exploitation and murder and you know, all these problems. I'd even argue the point of this show is for you not to empathize with them. It, it almost like forces your hand away from it by like having stuff happen off camera and like not yep. giving you the satisfaction of seeing these things happen. It's literally saying to you like, you don't get that because you're not them. Yes. You know, like if you, if you were experiencing this, you wouldn't be watching it. Yeah. And, and it's sort of the opposite of the handmaid's tale where that show gets a lot of criticism for being torture porn. Mm-hmm. This sort of like woke, like racial, like 12 years of slave or not, not specifically that movie, but like the sort of like black torture, you know, woman torture of yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Oh, you get to like, vicariously experience oppression it doesn't give that to you yeah you don't get to have that oppression you don't get to have the catharsis of feeling like oh yeah i'm like the victim right you only get to see yourself in these assholes yeah and it it, it forces you to see yourself in them like it because it, it doesn't give you anybody else to see yourself in. right except armand yeah who, who also is has in a position. the best position of anybody in the in the workers but even he is fucked <laughs> yeah but he also like he's fucked and he makes terrible he he exploits every position of power he has yeah and uh does a lot of bad things and um if you do are able to see yourself like if you have worked a service job like this um (laughs) you recognize that you're just as petty and wish and envious of these people as well yeah um so i don't know masterful work yeah really great show Second season, they're doing it. So it's, it's happening. in uh, Europe. <laughs> so it's 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 gonna be Americans in Europe. I guess so, or just people traveling in Europe. I hope it's still Americans because mm-hmm. I I'm not saying I don't trust Mike White to like write British people, but it, he definitely has a knack for writing Americans, mm-hmm. and I think that's sort of really important. Yeah, it'd be cool to bring in like another writer to be like, hey, like sure. you know we'll do a collab you know but where would they even go you know like it's gotta be like in the alps or something like that it's gonna be interesting though because i do wonder like well because who are the people in europe who are gonna be like well that's what i'm saying hawaiians that's what i'm saying what's i think the fact that it's in hawaii is really important to the show because they're people who are confronted with the contradiction Mm mm-hmm directly like there are people who live here who don't get to stay in this hotel yeah which I is wonder, maybe, which is weird i mean it's gonna be a different theme i suppose and yeah. i i look forward to seeing what it is yeah so great show huge recommend very long episode yeah uh very long movie mm-hmm. um big recommend though i know you've spent two hours but hey Try another six. It's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. Even if you've heard everything we've said, still worth watching. It's very worth watching. Two thumbs way up. (laughs) Way up. I mean, I, it really, honestly, this show was so good that it like revitalized me into wanting to watch a show. Mm -hmm. Like I haven't watched a fiction show since like the beginning of COVID. Uh, You know what I mean? Yeah. covid was like oh i guess i have to watch stuff and so i like watch preacher no no that was before i watched the boys but like very little stuff i just yeah. i didn't want to sit down and feel like 
I'm vegging. Like shows felt like very like. Yeah, we talked about this a lot because when Nico was first born, I was like yeah. watching so much stuff and I felt like my brain was dying because I was watching so much. Yeah. And and it's like through the pandemic, there was this feeling of like, I have to take every opportunity to not be watching something. And so shows in the past, in the before times, shows felt like a fun like, oh, I'm home from work. Let me get in all of this fun like binging thing. Yeah, and I feel like that has completely sailed. But this show was so good, and maybe be like, I want to watch another show. Yeah, where are we at on the Patreon? Are we almost at Sopranos time? No, I don't. We think gotta so. be. Look it up. Look it up. Pull it up. <laughs> uh, so, if you don't remember, or you haven't listened to the show, and this is the first insane episode that you're listening to. We started a. Um, a goal on the Patreon. So there's a Patreon for this show, patreon.com slash generation loss, where you can get bonus episodes every single week That's where right. we talk about the movie news and we uh, just talk about bullshit really for a while. Uh, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's good, the funnier it's show. It's objectively the funnier show this week. We had a great riff about what if the Bible was jackass, <laughs> right? Don't spoil it. <laughs> um, and we're not going to do the bit. I'm just going to describe it to you. That's right. Uh, but basically, we have a goal when we reach 175, I think it is, 175 yep. patrons, uh, Bryn will be forced <laughs> to watch The Sopranos Season 1. That's right. And, and then it will go up By every... my count, it looks like we have 171. That's right. So... We are four patrons away from Bryn finally watching The Sopranos. <laughs> Which I've never seen and has never interested me. But then every 25 every patrons 25, after we another, that, uh, we add another season. We will, I will watch the rest of the seasons until we get to 300 patrons when I will watch season six. And yes. that's the last one. So, hey, if you want us to watch more shows and you want me to, if you want this show to become a Sopranos recap show for a while, <laughs> <laughs> why don't you go to patreon.com slash generation loss? Uh, that'll be fun. Because I hear it's good, and I basically have decided I'm not watching it until that happens. So. What would be very funny is if we reach that goal, you do watch the first season of The Sopranos, but we don't do an episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was thinking I would just, it would be a part of the what did you watch this week? Yeah. Where I would just be like, I would talk about certain episodes, and mm -hmm. then like at the end of the season, it would be my long, what did you watch this week? Or just like, my whole thoughts on the seasons as they go yeah that makes sense so it'll kind of just like become a partial sopranos recap podcast for like two years <laughs> <laughs> hell yeah so that'll be fun um yeah and so yeah if you want to if you want that to happen go to patreon.com slash generation loss become a four patron more. just four more of you come that's on that's all it'll take you listening um, you know you know who you are you know you've you been are. listening for years literal years <laughs> you've been listening to our show or, uncompensated or, <laughs> or or our other shows now is your time to shine <laughs> Make me watch Make the Sopranos. Make Brain watch The Sopranos. <laughs> yep. Uh, otherwise, thank you so much. It's been two hours. For getting to the end of this episode. <laughs> it's been two hours. We'll see you next time. <laughs> I'm only come around like tourists on the beach with a few club sodas, bedtime stories, and pose like them named Chuck Norris, and don't know the real hardcore cause sandals are not back too.
Thugs, them we do where them got to And won't think twice to shot you Don't make them spot you Unless you carry guns a lot too A beer tough thing come at you When trench town man stop laugh and block off traffic Then them we learn pop off and them start trap it We dip in file long and it a beat trap it Police come in a jeep and them can't stop it Some say them a playboy a playboy rabbit Get dropped like a bad habit Son of 